0: Take your Bible and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 this evening, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> good to have the Smiths back with us, and good to see the rest of you as well. <clears throat> I, I, I guess you're not sluggish from donuts, you seem to all make it on time tonight, but uh, <clears throat> anyway, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, <clears throat> ladies had a good time making them. I've enjoyed eating some of them. We'll start at verse 14, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. It says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, Yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled unto himself, us to himself, by Jesus Christ, hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation." Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So tonight we're going to look at, Behold, all things are becoming new. We're going to be looking at some new things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity that we have to be assembled together Thank you for the privilege to open your precious word. And I pray as we look into the word of God tonight that you would again encourage our hearts, equip us, challenge us where we need challenged, convict where conviction is needed, and help us just to put on the mind of Christ to understand your truth and be able to apply it to our lives. For our good and thy glory, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you wanted an example, a, a good example or illustration of verse 17, think no further than the guy who God used to write that. I mean, what a radical change in a person's life. I mean, you know, Paul went, Saul went from being the persecutor and hater of Jesus Christ, the persecutor of his people, to a preacher of the gospel of Christ. Somebody said that uh, Paul's friends became his enemies, and his enemies became his friends overnight, just like that. You see, when we are in Christ, we are a new creature. And old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So sometimes we consider this this passage. I want to look at several things here. This is an exhaustive list. I have five. But anyway... First of all, there is new life. And verse 14 and 15 says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because this, that we, we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. You know, if Jesus died for all mankind, that means all mankind was dead. In other words, spiritually dead. Spiritually separated from God. That's what dead means. It means separated. It just means separation. And so we were spiritually dead from God. We were all dead. And that he died for all, verse 15, that they which live, so now they have life, they which live, should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So we've been given new life. We've been given the the life of God. This word life is defined as active, vigorous, devoted to God, blessed of God. The portion even in this world of those who put their trust in Christ. But after the resurrection to be consummated by a new body, a new home... That will last forever. That's this life we're talking about. It is divine life. It is the life of God. John 3.36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. That means you'll never cease to have this vigorous, blessed life. Everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. John five twenty four Verily, verily I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. So a, the requirement is you hear his word, and then you put your faith, your trust. That what's, that's what it means to believe. You put your confidence in, and you rest your case in him, in Christ, as the payment for your sins. And so he that believeth in him that sent me hath everlasting life, shall not condemn into condemnation, but is passed from death. Unto life. So we, we've changed positions. We were dying. We were separated from God. And now, we're going to see later on, we're reconciled. And now we have the life of God. John 10, 28. I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. 1 John 5, 12. And it's very quite simple, you know. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. I like Colossians 1 verses 1 through 4, where it says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things in the earth, for you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, you know, this life that we have, this everlasting life is not of ourselves, it is of Christ. He is our life. He is our life shall appear, Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. So this new th- one of the new things we have is new life. We've been given life. And it's a different, you know, when we think about something new, it's different. You know, Psalm 40 says he had put a new song, and the Hebrew word has the idea is something different than the old song. And so this new life is different. It's everlasting life. It's a blessed life it it has life it has the assurances of a a new body a new home a new eternal home we will dwell forever with the lord so we have new life we have also a new relationship In verse 14 and 15 again for the love of christ constraineth us you know that the word the word constrain means compels us because we thus judge that if one died for all then we're all dead that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. And then verse 18 says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So we have a new relationship. We've been given the life of God. We've been reconciled to God. That word reconciled means we again, we, they're kind of like the idea we've changed teams. Or we've changed sides. You see, we've we've been reconciled to God. We've been made right with God because Romans five says well, we were at enmity against God. We were the enemies of God. We were all the, and we're all born that way at enmity with God. You know, we all had our conversation times past in lust of flesh and lust and so on and so forth, and and the wickedness of this world. And that, but but now when we when we repent of our sin and put our faith and trust in Christ. We've been made right or reconciled to God. We have been made, again, made. That's the key word here, made. It's a power outside of ourselves. It's not something we can do. Somebody has to do it for us. And that is Jesus Christ. We've been made the children of God. Galatians 3.26 says, For you are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And this this relationship is one of liberty. It's not of bondage. In Romans chapter 8, again, it's a new, it's a different kind of relationship. In Romans 8, verses 14 through 17, the Bible says this, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Ye have not received the spirit of bondage again. It's interesting he uses the word again. Because... You know, we were, when we lived in sin, we lived for ourselves. When Before we got saved, we were all in bondage to sin and self and devil. We were in bondage to fear of death all of our lifetime. But, but the Bible says here, you have not received that spirit of bondage again, to fear. But ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, Word, the word Abba has a, is a term uh, of endearment, like a loving father. You know, we would use daddy. That's, that's, that's the kind of, we would say it in English, daddy. You know, sort of like, you know, Callan comes around, you know, with these, with these big, uh, you know, uh, uh, wanting eyes and, and says, so, you know, boom, boom. He goes, boom, boom. You know, he wants me to show him pictures of tractors or trucks. Or, you know, he went to the door the other day and, and, and he, he asked for Papa. He went, Papa, take him to the barn to see the animals. You know, it's a, it's a term of endearment. You know, a child does that to their father that they love. And this is the relationship. This is the kind of relationship we've been bought into. It's not one of bondage, again, to fear. But Abba, Father, the Spirit itself bear witness to our spirit that we are the children of God. If children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We've not only been made children, but because we are children and adopted into the family, we have, we have rights. We have inheritance rights. We have legal status or standing in the family of God. And so... So this is the relationship we have. We've been liberated from the bondage of sin and death. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, There is therefore now no condemnation them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. See, the law. only thing the law does is say, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die. That's what the law says. And the law wasn't meant to save us. But what it's meant for is to show us that you are guilty, you are guilty, you are guilty. You deserve death. And then God sent his son to answer that cry, that need. The law is our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. And so the purpose of Christ was to free us, to deliver us from the bondage and penalty of sin. In fact, in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus went into the synagogue at Nazareth and you know, this is the time that after he went in and read the scriptures and they, they, they took him out to a hill, a hill and we're going to throw him down headlong and, and kill him. You know, they got so angry at him. But one of the things he said there, and he read Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, and, which says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. He come to set us at liberty... From the bondage and the corruption of sin. And of course, you know, when he finished reading that, he sat down and then he said, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And that angered them. You see, Colossians or 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 7 says, Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is liberty. Paul wrote to the church of Galatians, and says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherever Christ hath made us free, and be not again entangled with the yoke of bondage. You know, false Christianity, false religions promise liberty. But 2 Peter 2.19 says, They themselves are servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, the same is to be brought into bondage. They're servants of corruption. You know, Galatians 4, 3 says, even so we, when we were children, we were in bondage unto the elements of the world. He's comparing us as children of the world and then to children of Abraham, the seed of Abraham. And, and so we were in bondage. He says, this is the way we were. We were in bondage to the elements of the world. The word elements means the principles with which mankind's indoctrinated before the time of Christ. You know, what are those principles? Well, we still see them today. Good works. How many people will say Well, you do the best you can do, and hopefully, your bad white way, you're good, and you'll be better off in the next life. That's a worldly principle. Or if you're religious, you know, you keep the teachings of your religion. You know, go to enough masses and put in enough money, or if you're, uh, or make some pilgrimages to Mecca. Or, you know, commit some jihadist acts and you get promised, you know, of of automatic, you know, if you're a suicide jihadist, you get promised automatically into heaven with a lot of other things I won't even mention. Uh, Or you can be a great philanthropist. Lots of people think that somehow they're going to end up better off after this life because they've been... Giving money to good causes. You know, those are elements of the world that only bring bondage. You now the Bible says we are called the children of light. Ephesians 5 8 says, You were sometimes darkness, but now are you light, and the Lord walk us children in the light. John 1 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. You know, to have light is to understand, really it means, you know, might say it this way. It's to understand where I came from, what I'm doing here, and where I'm going. How many people really know that in the world tonight? Unless you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, you really don't understand you might think you might think you know where you came from, you may know that. But you really don't know what your purpose is here and nor do you know where you're going. But see, that comes by receiving the life of God and the light and the liberty that comes therein. You know, it's interesting, if you study history, wherever Christianity starts to flourish, people become liberated. And they don't have to necessarily fight wars to make it come about. Although there usually is conflicts because there's always opposition to liberty. Always. Because Satan hates liberty. He wants to keep people under his thumb. He wants people under his control. You know, that's why we have liberty in this nation. Because the majority of people... There was, there was a great majority of people in this country who, who understood those truths from the Word of God. You know, the, the, the Reformation brought some liberty for a period of time, brought some liberty to, to, the, to Europe. And then, but until the Protestants themselves started bringing people back into bondage. So we have this new relationship. It's one of liberty. We've been reconciled to God. Thirdly, there's a new attitude. Again, verses 15 through 18 it says and that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves but unto him which died for them and rose again wherefore henceforth know we no man out of the flesh though we have known christ out of the flesh yet now henceforth know we him no more therefore if any man be in christ he's a new creature old things are passed away and the whole things have become new and all things are of god you see the attitude of this of of the world is it's my life I'll do what I want that's the attitude of the world it's my life I'll do what I want you know if that's a person's attitude it's selfish and it's really satanic you know that is why Saul lost the kingdom that is why law. Lost all that he had That's why Balaam got himself killed You know the children of Israel killed Balaam in one of the battles later on And that's why he got himself killed He was selfish Verse 15 says we should not henceforth live for ourselves Living for self is really a rejection of the lordship of Jesus Christ You know, if, if you are, say, there should be a change in your spirit or in your attitude from one of living for self to living for the Lord, that ought to be changed. You know, acceptance of his lordship should now govern, that is, direct and control your life. He's the Lord. And if he is Lord, if he truly is Lord, we are his servants or we are his subjects. We're here to serve him. You know, this was a radical change for Paul. That now all things are of God. Now, he thought he was serving God. He really did. He thought he was serving God. But he did it in ignorance. So it says, now all things, verse 18 says, now all things are of God. So what does that mean? I don't do, it really means, I don't do anything that I'm not sure is right in the sight of God. And I do what I know to be right. You know, we shouldn't be, and we shouldn't be, we ought not to get overly concerned with what we don't know. What we do need to be concerned is what we do know. And do what we know is right, and the things that we're concerned about, or wondering about, or not sure about, it, you know what, by and by, they're going to take care of themselves. Because when you do what is right, God gives you additional light. He gives you additional light. It's called growth. And we find this principle throughout the scriptures. You know, uh, Cornelius accepted the light of creation that he had and and and, and the light that it was given him, but he wasn't a saved man, but he believed there was a God. and He prayed to this God who he really didn't know, but he believed in Him. And God sent him a man to tell him about that God. He sent him more light. And so we just need to do what we know to be right. You know, Paul, the second question Paul asked the Lord after asking, who art thou? That was his first question. He said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And then he said this, what wilt thou have me to do? You know, so really what Paul did was sign his name on the check and left it blank. And basically was saying, Lord, you fill it in. And whatever you say, I will never to do it since you're the Lord. You see, that that should be our attitude. And that's what Paul says here, end of verse 15, that not henceforth, they which live should not henceforth live unto the cells, but unto him which died for them and rose a grant. And Paul was not disobedient. In Acts 26, 19, he's given his testimony before King Agrippa, and he's talking about this, this vision he had and, and how he saw the Lord and he said, O oh, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient under that heavenly vision. But he began immediately to preach the gospel. See, submission here, a submission here also accepts that all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And that's what Paul had to come to the conclusion of. Like. All my good works that he thought he was doing were worthless. You know, he tells us in Philippians chapter three that he was a, a Pharisee of Pharisees, of the tribe of Benjamin, you know, and, and he gives all his 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 uh, genealogy and and you know how, how great he was, you know, a Pharisee of Pharisees and and, 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 and concerning the law of blameless and he said, I count it all but dung. It's all it was all worthless. See, we have to come to the conclusion also or agree with what John said, or Jesus said in John 15, 5. Without me, you can do nothing. You can't do anything. See, I'm the one that gives you life, is what Jesus is saying. I'm the one that gives you power. I'm the one that gives you ability. I'm the one that gives you the, the abilities to do the things that I command you. So follow me. Follow me. It means living by faith, following the will of the Lord. And it was Paul who said, 1 Corinthians four sixteen, Wherefore I beseech you, be your followers of me. Now, if that wasn't inspired of God, we'd say he's bragging. But he wrote that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he repeats it in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, where he says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ." And then again, Philippians three seventeen, brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as you have us for an example. He wrote to the Galatians in Galatians two twenty, and said, "I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live; yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me." See, this new attitude is one that we submit ourselves to God. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You see, the way to have power with God is to submit, surrender to him, to surrender to him. He says, draw an eye to God, and he will draw an eye to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, double-minded. So this this ought to be our attitude. If we belong to the Lord, if He's our Lord, it means submission to Him. Fourthly, this speaks also of new relationships. In verses 17 and 18, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of God. Of reconciliation. So we've been reconciled. I talked about this a little bit before. But we have changed families. Which changes relationships. It changes relationships. Even close relationships. As I said earlier. Paul's friends became his enemies. And his enemies. Became his friends. You remember when. Acts chapter 9. The Lord appeared to Paul, Saul. On the road to Damascus. And, and, he, he, and, and he says, Lord, what thou have me to do? And he said, you go into, you, you go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou shalt do. And then the Lord spoke to Ananias, who I believe was the pastor of the church at Damascus. And he said, you go into the street called Straight. I think that's where it was. And, and in the house to one Saul of Tarsus. And Ananias said, Lord... I've heard about this man. I've heard about this man. He's done much harm. The Lord said, you go your, go my, go the, your way. Oh, I have called him. You see, Paul, because of his relationship with, with the Lord now, he, on the road to Damascus, he got saved. He called Jesus Lord. And, no, and he wrote to the Corinthians, remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he said, no man calleth Jesus Lord but by the Spirit. So there was a change in his heart, a change in life, and immediately his enemies became his friends. And those Paul was working with were now work, used to be working with, were now working against him. You know when we get saved, when we get saved, spiritual relationships should override family relationships. They should. You know, we have to be careful with close fellowship with the extended family because it can be very detrimental to your own walk with the Lord or your children. You know, Jehoshaphat, I was reading just this past week about Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat, you read about his life, Jehoshaphat was a good king. I mean, he, he, he in cities, he put in like schools where prophets could teach the word of God to the people. He greatly fortified the the nation of Judah. And and you know he he, he he was he was he was a good king. But he established family ties with Ahab, the king of Israel, and it destroyed his children. Destroyed his children. You think about it, Abraham was told to leave his kindred. Leave her of the Chaldees, the land of idolatry. He's to leave it. And even once he gets into the land of Canaan, he's told to separate, he separates from Lot. And the only interaction we see that Abraham ever has with Lot is when those kings come up and and fight against Sodom and Gomorrah and a few other cities, and they take captive Sodom and Gomorrah, the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, and Lot, that Abraham arms his servant and delivers them. And Lot. And the only other contact we have is, when God tells Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham prays for Lot. There's no indication that he has any fellowship with Lot. You see, Abraham did not want the influence of his nephew on his son. Because Lot had an eye for the things of the world and not the things of God. You know, Amnon had a very subtle friend, Jonadab. Jonadab was his first cousin. His first cousin. And he advised Amnon in his sin, which got him killed. Proverbs 13.20 says, He that walketh a wise man shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. 1 Corinthians 15.33 Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. We must guard against ungodly family relationships. They can have a powerful influence. We have to guard against them. You know, the the song, Holy, 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 and I think it's in that song, it says, Make friends of God's children. We have to be careful who our friends are because our friends do influence us. And we have to be very careful. We have to guard. We need to guard our relationships. All things are become new. That means we should have new relationships. If you live for the Lord, if you get saved and live for the Lord, your old friends are either going to come along with you or leave you. They'll leave you. And so, these new relationships. And then a fifth thing. A new view of our purpose among humanity. In verses 16, again through 20, it says, Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, let now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that is, That God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. So we should have a new view or understanding of our purpose among humanity. In verse 16, he says, Paul's really saying, I don't see Jesus anymore as just a man. There's a lot of people today that still just see Jesus as just a man. They don't see him as the Lord. The Jews don't accept him as their Messiah. In other words, he's just a prophet. He was just a prophet. And many people do not see him as the Lord or the Christ the anointed of God, that's what Christ means the Messiah, the anointed of God and so they just see him as a man but Paul said I don't see him anymore as a man I see him as the Lord and that's why he said in Acts 9 he called him Lord what wilt thou have me to do he saw him differently immediately and we should look at people not just as human beings as the world does You know, the world looks at people as men and women who can serve me, make me happy, bring pleasure into my life. You know, that's why many get married. They think and end up divorced because they think this person will make me happy. I I watched a You" video just this week of this lady who who grew up atheist looking for happiness. And so she got married. She thought this man was going to bring her happiness. But he didn't. She ended up divorced. And somewhere along the way, she hit rock bottom. And through that hitting rock bottom, and some circumstances some, some groups, she got to help her. And, and, a, and another woman who, 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 who taught her about the Lord, she found the Lord and she found, she found meaning and purpose in life. And but she realized then that another person can't make me happy. Well, see, that's, the world, that's how the world looks at it. You know, the, the, another person, another, another body to, to, to make me happy or satisfy me. This, is, this philosophy cheaping, cheapens the value of another's life. You know, and another, again, another human being is not going to bring lasting happiness or satisfaction in life. They cannot fill the spiritual void. You know, as Christians, we should see people as souls made in the image of God to whom we are to minister the promises and the blessings of God. You know, this is really what verses 18 through 20 speak about. He's given us a ministry of reconciliation. He's given us a ministry to help people be changed from enemies of God to friends of God. From from the lost to saved. He's he's given us the purpose or the ministry of ministering to people. Bringing them to Christ. Pointing them to Christ. And so we shouldn't see people as just men and women. Boys and girls. Human bodies, they're more than that. Yeah, they are men and women, and they do have bodies, but they also have a soul and a spirit. They also are made in the image of God, and they also are someone for whom Christ died. You see, Paul used to look at when Saul was on the road to Damascus, he looked at people to be arrested and imprisoned, because they didn't agree with him. But now he looks at them as opportunities of witness, opportunities to minister, opportunities to help, to bring comfort to, to give some guidance and direction in their life. You know, this, this thought process would greatly change the way we treat one another and the people of the world. You know, it would solidify, again, our purpose in our minds and change the way we relate to each other. You know, this is how Jesus saw people. He saw them as lost, as sheep having no shepherd. And he said, pray ye the Lord of harvest, that they would send laborers into his harvest field. And this is how Paul learned to see people as sheep Again, that needed shepherding, that needed some guidance. You, how do you see the world around you? I'm not talking about the trees and the forests. I'm talking about the people. How do you see them? How do you see others? How do you see people next to you? You Yo, we ought to see people. As people that we can minister to To encourage To help So We ought to have this new view You know it's a reason to live It gives purpose in life Not that we do it for our praise We're doing it for the Lord That's what he left us here to do You know, know, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1 that all that Jesus began to do, then he told his disciples to continue that on. And that's what we were to continue to do. You see, we do have a purpose. We do have light. We do have understanding of why we're here and where we are going. So, might we as God's people, understand what we have and then the responsibility that God has given to us to share that with others. Let's pray.